welcome to Como Explained. It's a podcast from the KBIA Newsroom. We take the thorny issues and politics that affect our community, and we break them down. I'm Scott Pham, Digital Content Director here at KBIA. Hosting with me, as always, is Ryan Femuliner, Assistant News Director at KBIA. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Today, uh, we're not actually here. We are doing a rebroadcast. <laughs> We're cheating a little bit. We're cheating um, a little bit. No, actually, we saw a good opportunity to run something that we had run before on this show and uh, to update it a little bit, too, um, because a weird thing happened earlier this week. They opened up the Diverging Diamond Interchange on Stadium. Over Easily I-70. the most exciting thing to happen in intersection history in Columbia. I think so. It is completely <laughs> revolutionary, um, and it's also going to scare the crap out of a lot of people. You, if you've already driven through it, you're probably just like, what, what just happened? You look at it from transport. the sky, it kind of looks like a Gaelic knot, you know? <laughs> it does, actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, it looks very scary. Um, I haven't actually driven through it yet, but I'm going to make a point to very soon. It's at the intersection of I-70 and Stadium. If you're driving on stadiums when you're going to drive through this new thing, okay? Uh, which it kind of, you'll, we'll get to the show later on Roundabouts, which is the show we're going to run again here, because that's a lot of the background on why these types of uh, engineering solutions have come to be. But the Diverging Diamond is something that's really new. In fact, the newest one was put in Springfield in 2009. Yeah, well, uh, we are leaders Missouri. in crazy intersection technology. Yeah, and this one is crazy. I mean, ultimately what it has you do is drive on the wrong side of the road if you get down to it. You're going to be driving on the left side of that bridge, and there's going to be traffic going the opposite direction on your right. It's really like the only place this is going to happen when you're driving, which is going to freak a lot of people right. out. I so think. we're going to play the old episode in a minute, but we're going to give you a little bonus. We're going to teach you real briefly how to go through this intersection, right? So uh, Ryan, as the uh, one individual between us that owns a car, <laughs> is going to tell us, right? So you're right. driving down... Uh, let, let, for, for that example, let's say I'm driving from campus, right? I'm driving from the mall, and I'm going to try to get on I-70 uh, westbound toward Kansas City, okay? Because mm-hmm. this is where this is actually meant to help traffic flow the most, okay? So if I'm coming into this intersection, instead of just driving over the bridge on the right lane like I usually would, usually I drive up to one stoplight before the bridge, stop there, uh-huh. uh, go to the next stoplight on the other side of the bridge before I make a left turn onto the highway. There's basically two intersections. There's the on and the off ramp that you're passing. Exactly. Yeah. So now what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to drive up to the bridge, and before I get to the bridge, there's going to be a stoplight again. So I'm going to stop at that one stoplight. But then when that stoplight turns green, the road is going to cross over to the left side of the bridge. So we're going to cross lanes of the other traffic that would be coming our direction. Reality has turned on its head. It really has. Willy it's, Wonka it's com- comes out of a breach in the space-time <laughs> continuum, and you're on the left side of the road. It really is just <laughs> mind-blowing to think who thought this up. But the reason why, uh, one of the big reasons, I think, why this makes sense is because then, after I've gone through this intersection, I'm, I'm then on the left side of the road, and I'm able to make my left turn onto the highway without any uh, light, without any stoplight, without any other intersection with traffic. So it's a continuous than, motion. You're not stopping. You just slow down a little bit and you turn. Exactly. Right. I'm only making. I'm only crossing traffic one time. Uh, you obviously we're going to have to cross traffic to turn left anyway, right? Or potential traffic, a lane where other traffic could be coming. But instead, I'm crossing it in this crisscross before I go over the bridge. But then I'm going to have that quick access. Uh, onto the highway. All right, okay. so that's the main benefit. It makes that left turn safer and easier and uh, potentially faster. Yeah, yeah. It there's, does. Instead of two stops, there's one. Right, and likewise, when you're getting off of the highway coming in the direction, say I'm getting off coming back from Kansas City after that, uh, then I'm going to be able to make a quick right turn onto 
uh, the the road coming off, uh, which you usually can, you can do now, but there's actually a stoplight now. There won't be a stoplight. You'll actually just come right onto there. Right. So the whole thinking behind this intersection is a lot like the thinking behind roundabouts, and that's what made us think of this episode. Because what you're doing is you're uh, you're reducing the amount of times you stop, and you're kind of rearranging vehicles such that they are not kind of facing each other at these hard angles. Right. So the more times you stop. That's the more opportunities for somebody to rear-end you. And the more times you have a car that's facing you at like a 90-degree angle, that's more chances to get hit right in the driver's side and and die. Right. And the other thing that the engineers say, the benefit here is that there's actually less potential collision points, right? Because if you think about those – the intersections we have now or had before at those stops where those two stoplights I'm going to stop at before I turn left, there's actually roads coming each direction there. There's it's know, a ten- essentially a four-way stop. Right. It's essentially a four-way stop. So I have potential collisions with cars coming from any of those roads. Where here, I only ha- I'm only going to be going through those one or two collision points as I go over this bridge at that crisscross. Now, I would also say that that crisscross is a big deal because if I'm driving up to that and I don't know what this is, I might get freaked out and I would have the ability to actually turn to go and turn on to the right side of the lane, which I would be driving on the wrong lane at that point. And panicking Ryan from you and is going to be yeah. going straight. Well, I mean, the other, <laughs> here's my problem with this. One, drunk drivers, like that's what they're yeah. They're not going to be thinking this thing through. At night, too, when you're not clear what's going on and roads might not be as busy, so it's not clear that there's traffic there. Two, this is an intersection that people use very often who are not familiar with the area. And this is definitely a weird concept. Uh, maneuver. So I think, you know, because we have people coming in from across the state, across the country to meet, yeah. visit their students, go to Mizzou football games, things like that. A lot of them take this exit to get on uh, to come into town. And so we're going to have a lot of people who aren't familiar with it uh, trying to drive through this thing. So it is going to, to me, that those are some of the downsides of putting it specifically where we put this new thing. Uh, it's a pretty, it's a very heavily used intersection. Right. We've seen um, a lot of success with it in Springfield. It's made things, Moda says it's made things faster and safer. But like you're saying, Ryan, they aren't a college town in the way that we are a college town. Right. They do have a college there, but it's not so, they have a larger, probably proportionally larger, you know, regular population, non-student population. Okay. So yeah, the other, I mean, the other thing I started to point out there is that you have the ability to turn on to the wrong lane. You can't put up. We were talking about this earlier. You can't put up a blocker there because then that's the those tra- guys can't come through. Yeah, that, that's the lanes the guys have to use coming the other direction. Yeah. So these crisscrosses are crazy. Like it's going to freak a lot of people out. And talk about roundabouts freaking people out. This is like completely revolutionary. I mean, I guess it, you know we talked about how a circle is different than straight lines like we always do. But this is literally driving on the wrong side of the road for a little while and then pretending like nothing happened. So. <laughs> so, I mean, if used correctly, I think this actually makes a lot of engineering sense. But it's this big thing that we're going to talk about here in the show you're going to hear uh, is that a lot of it has to do with, you know, just the way people know how to use these things and a little bit of education, I guess, too, which there's a great video to watch that MoDOT's put out on this as well if you didn't get enough from what we just talked about on this diverging diamond. But uh, for now, I think if we've got this going, we're just going to throw to our old episode. So here we go. Uh, roundabouts. <laughs> So this is the first thing we're going to explain, okay? There are a lot of roundabouts in Colombia. It's not just that you're seeing things. It's not just that you never notice them in other cities or something. Like, there are a lot of them here. Uh, There are 21 roundabouts in Colombia. We just finished building the 21st. That's the one that is at uh, Fairview Fairview and Rollins. Rollins Road. So that's a small one. Most of them are a little bit larger and will accommodate four or five streets intersecting them. 
the one at Fairview Road and Rollins Road is really, really small. It's what they call a mini roundabout. Um, but yeah, they're kind of spread out all around town. We have what, let's see, maybe seven south of town and about as many north of I-70. So uh, they're just kind of all over. Uh, they're mainly in these less populated or less highly trafficked areas. We'll talk more about that later, where they go and why and where they may show up later yeah. too. I mean, to my eye, they tend to be in the sprawl of Columbia. Yeah. You know, those, those uh, highly populated areas that are or not highly populated areas, but kind of newly populated areas that are on the edge of town and not close to the the center. Sure. And, yeah, not downtown. I mean, there's not really room to develop those anyway at the moment, I would say, you know, since it does take a little bit of different, maybe not extra space, but different space, uh, you know, things it doesn't fit into a grid that well. So we're going to explain all about these roundabouts. But I think the first thing you need to know about roundabouts, if you're going to talk about it, is that it's different from a traffic circle. Right. And traffic circles is important to know because that's where this whole crazy experiment started, right? They're traffic circles. Historically, um, this is this is what started the, the idea of these weird round things you drive through instead of just yeah. driving straight. Yeah, exactly. Well, we, we have a lot of old traffic circles in this country. And, uh, you know, a lot of the time there's resistance to building new roundabouts in communities. And that might be because people are thinking about traffic circles. Maybe they've encountered a traffic circle before and they thought it was a bad experience. So they don't want a roundabout because they think that's what it's like. Yeah. And like I, I can vouch for that. I grew up in the Kansas City area. And I remember when I took my driver's ed class, we had to go out and one, one of the maybe week two after you learn how to make a left turn properly. Then they took us out to a traffic circle. And I remember it just being the most horrifying experience. It's like it's a two it's two lanes. You're having to watch for the cars coming by. It was just terrifying, although I was terrified to even get on the highway at that point, And this was like a true nightmare. And it, it's out on Highway 7 and uh, 78 if you've been to that area uh, near the Lake City Ammunition Plant. But it's, uh, man, scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Uh, and I've never gone back for that reason. Also, but it's like middle of nowhere. It's right? middle of nowhere, yeah. <laughs> it's a big ammunition plan. It really didn't make any sense. In fact, I looked it up for this show, and they've now turned it into a roundabout, yeah. which kind of fits into what we're talking about here. Now they yeah. turned it into a one-lane roundabout because there's not so much traffic. They don't need it to be a two-lane traffic circle. Right. So, so let's explain. Let's do it this way. Let's explain how a traffic circle works because that's what you encountered. Mm-hmm. Um, in a traffic circle, you approach the circle head on. Okay, so you're driving down the street and you go right into the circle at a 90 degree angle. You have to take a 90 degree turn right to travel counterclockwise on the circle. First, you usually stop. Usually there's a stop sign or even a light telling you before you can go. And once you have the right of way, you turn into the circle, find a spot in there, you travel counterclockwise around it, and then peel off to the right when you get to the street that you're intending to go onto. Right. And the big way that this differs from a roundabout were two things that you mentioned there. One, that there is a yield instead of a stop sign at a roundabout. Mm-hmm. And also the deflection is a big thing, right? You talked about you're on a traffic circle, you're going in, stopping, and making a 90-degree turn. That's not the case in a roundabout. Yeah, a roundabout should kind of ease you into the circle, kind of like an on-ramp. The What will happen is that the road will kind of bend to the right, and oftentimes they'll build these uh, little dividers, those little splitters as a median in the middle of the road to make sure you bend to the right. Right. And that makes it more safer and more efficient, right? Yeah. So not- what's happening there is you're reducing the angle that you're approaching the circle so that you can never get T-boned. And that's the main reason why these kind of intersections exist, these circle intersections. It's not just to slow down traffic, and it does have that effect, <laughs> yes. but it's also because 
in these situations, you will never be at a at a ninety degree angle to oncoming traffic, and that means your chances of dying are just so so much less. Right, and yeah. and and most likely traffic has slowed down as well. Yes, maybe not actually flow of traffic, but speed has slowed down. Yeah, sure. exactly. The if you're turning, if you're constantly turning, these circles are really made to uh, accommodate a speed. I think no higher than twenty, usually closer to fifteen miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you'll you'll be going through the intersection much slower. And if you think about like a signal intersection. If you're driving down a, a road that's 30 miles an hour and you got a green coming up, you're not going to slow down. You're going to go through that intersection at a straight 30 miles per hour, which means anything you hit along the way is going to be getting that full speed. Right. And again, right of way is to the cars that are already in the roundabout, right? Or tra- yeah. same case for traffic circle, actually. So if you're venturing in, you're having to yield just as you would if you were entering onto a highway, something yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, and that's the case. Hopefully you already know that since you've driven and encountered a roundabout. <laughs> but I'm just going to name that in case you've never seen a roundabout and uh, are going to be terrified next time you go up there. Maybe you didn't know. Maybe you didn't go to driver's ed. Yeah. So roundabouts are modern. Traffic circles are old. The reason why we have traffic circles are not because anybody's building them, but just because they're old and they're still around. Right. Actually, I got a good story about a traffic circle. When I was in Paris a few years ago, my wife and I were on a tour, and we were on a bus, and uh, we didn't know where we were, but we were kind of pulled over, and he's like, all right, everybody, put your seatbelt on. I'm like, what's going on? And he turns on uh, from Top Gun that, like, Highway to the Danger Zone song, like, blasts it. We're like, what's going on? Kenny Loggins. Yeah. Just, what, what is going on right now? And he, like, put on sunglasses. and like, it's night. Why are you wearing sunglasses? And he, uh, he guns it. And we go flying out into the Arc de Triomphe, the traffic circle around the Arc de Triomphe, across, like, three lanes of traffic. And, like, miraculously, we're not hit. Because in those, the situation is that actually cars entering have the right of way in these old style traffic circles, right? That's what many drivers, and especially in Europe, where these are much more common and have been for a long time, may have been accustomed to. Yeah. The circle around the Arc de Triomphe, that's a famous traffic circle. The multi lane aspect is really, really crazy. (laughs) Just insane. (laughs) I don't know why that guy did that. It was one of the dumbest things I've ever been a part of. Now, there is such a thing as a multi-lane roundabout. We'll talk about that later. But usually they're single lane. Traffic circles are often have multiple lanes. Another famous one is Columbus Circle in New York City. That's at the southwest corner of Central Park. Uh, And then there's DuPont Circle in Washington, D.C., where I used to live. And that's a crazy intersection because you got like, I, I don't remember the number, but it's like six or seven streets coming into this area. And it's very, very confusing. Did you ever drive in it? I never drove in it. But actually, I hated it when I moved there because I didn't know the city very well. So I would go to the the circle and go into a shop and I'd come out and I have no idea where I am. (laughs) I can't remember which way I came in, you know, or like I could be moving in literally any direction after that. (laughs) Very disorienting for sure. In D.C., there's this weird myth that the traffic circles were like part of the defense of the city that the idea was there would be traffic circles all over the city, and if they were invaded, there would be artillery in the middle of these circles where there are now <laughs> statues and fountains. There would be artillery there, and they'd shoot down each of the streets because they'd have a, a, a good view, I guess. Now, see, to me, that doesn't make any sense because it, it seems like it would be the opposite. That would be like a – that would be a fatal flaw in a city's infrastructure because if somebody was invading you, they could just set up shop right there and blow your entire town away. It's like a bunker hill all over town, right? Yeah, so, no, I don't, I don't think that – I'm pretty sure that's a myth. I, I, I looked it up. To be honest, I actually thought that that was true up until a point I started researching <laughs> for the show, just because everybody says that. It's like, just right. accept it as oh, true. Oh, yeah, sure. That's that's what it is, yeah. Yeah. When 
they weren't really even thinking about these types of traffic circles back when tactical warfare on the ground level in the U.S. was something people worried about. Yeah. <laughs> like I know. People weren't talking about highway traffic. They were on horses and buggies, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's funny you say that about horses and buggies because traffic circles go back to that point where the automobile and the horse shared the road. And that's one reason why these things are so weird. Because it's one of the first kind of roads that we built. It was uh, kind of part of how we dealt with the problem of um, of cars. Uh, Columbus Circle was built in 1905 by one William Phelps Eno. Yeah, um, this guy is awesome. Yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. He um, He invented basically most of what we now think of as modern driving, right? Like yeah. he invented the one-way street. Uh, he invented the taxi stand. He invented the stop sign. and <laughs> Like made it an octagon? Like that was, I, I guess that so. I don't know exactly. <laughs> and they say he invented the traffic circle. It's probably not strictly true because I think they existed in Europe beforehand. But he definitely brought it to the U.S. Yeah, and crosswalks too. I mean, like literally things we still use today, this one guy came up with. And like the funny factoid on him is that he never actually drove himself. Yeah, he never learned how to drive himself because I guess at this time automobiles were new. When he was young, they weren't on the road. It's a problem he learned how to deal with, but he never learned how to do it himself. Some people say that he thought that it was a fad, that eventually like the cars, cars were a yeah, fad. <laughs> yeah, the cars would just pass. and that, uh, Or maybe, be... maybe he just thought like flying cars would happen sooner. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's exactly. okay. These will be antiquated soon. So because of Eno and people that came after him, we uh, had a lot of traffic circles in the U.S., but I think we eventually very quickly realized that they are no good. Um, back in the day, there was a confusion about right-of-way, like you talked about at the Arc de Triomphe, about entering vehicles having the right-of-way. It's obviously a really, really bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad because yeah. otherwise you end up exposed to three or four lanes of traffic who yeah. might be going fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the angle of entry, because it's like hitting that at a direct angle, that means you are entering, assuming you have right of way, and then uh, T-bone collisions are possible. Um, also, these old traffic circles are so much larger than the roundabouts we have now, which means people are actually getting to be like, you know, 30 miles or more per hour in these traffic circles when nowadays we, we limit it to 15 or 20. So Right. And a lot of times it's because they're much smaller as well, especially yep. when we're talking about the application in a place like Columbia, where we're putting them in these newly developed areas where there's not a ton of traffic at the moment. Yeah. So we stopped building these in the 50s and 60s when we started building a lot of roads, right? That's when the highway expansion happened. A lot of new roads got built. And it was just kind of general practice among engineers at that time that if you're going to build a new road, don't put traffic circles in it. Those are a bad idea. People get hurt all the time. Let's just put a four-way stop. Let's put a stoplight there. Let's just, and that's what you're used to seeing. That's what drivers are used to. And that's why these roundabouts are driving people crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, about 10 to 15 years ago, uh, some new research started showing that the roundabouts that have been developed in Europe are starting to actually dramatically decrease the accidents that are possible in intersections. Again, talking about roundabouts, not traffic circles. Yes. So these are the ones with that deflected entry point and just a yield sign instead. Uh huh. I know they seem like two really subtle things, Mm -hmm. changing the angle and changing that signage. But uh, it really makes a big difference because also the yield thing helps to keep the traffic circulating. Nobody's stopping, so they get into the circle faster, and there's less waiting to get in. So, um, yeah, it's a big deal. Um, 
apparently uh, some numbers we've seen show a 35% reduction in all crashes and wow. a 76% reduction in crashes that actually kill you or injure you. And they're comparing the same intersection before and after it's been, like, converted, I guess? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you compare all other kinds of intersections to roundabouts. You're getting a 76 percent reduction in fatal crashes. Right. And compared to one, uh, a signalized stop. So that's one with a, a light. Uh, it's a 48 percent reduction in crashes. So lights are even worse. And a 78 percent reduction in fatal uh, injury crashes at, at those stopped lights, which those are the ones where, you know, sometimes people just blow right through them or there's a yellow light, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not actually a huge stop change between a four-way stop, though. Actually pretty much the same. Um, so really, the thing that is is pretty dangerous to these T bones, especially, are uh, the signal stops, stoplights. Yeah, the signal stops are really bad because you get a fast entry, and you also have so many different ways to get hit. You know, the the, the traffic can come from any direction um, virtually at a four way stop. It can hit you at any place, whereas. In a roundabout, you can really only get hit um, from behind or in front. So a four-way stop is going to be safer than a signalized stop, but it's also going to slow down traffic, right? Everyone has to stop. Where in a roundabout for traffic flow, if that's one of the things you're concerned about, which most likely if you're an engineer, you are, uh, it's going to be better because traffic may not have to stop at all. If it does, it may be a shorter stop. All right. So long story short, this is the reason why. This is the reason why there are so many roundabouts in Colombia. Uh, I guess it's just because they're simply better, right? They're, yeah. <laughs> they're safer, and um, obviously they're going to be cheaper, right? Because you don't need to maintain signals. You don't need to power them. You don't have to worry about them going out. Right, um, yeah. They're not any more expensive than than a, stops, than a four-way stop, and that's definitely cheaper than a signal. Yeah, for right. sure. So if they have the space, uh, the city is probably pretty likely to build one of these if they have the option. Right, and it's something yeah. that we're seeing not just in Colombia but in – Cities all over the country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's more popular in some places than others. Wisconsin, Maryland, for some reason, those are two places where we're seeing a lot of these. But it's it's very popular around the country, and I think pretty soon you're going to see those in every state. How long till drivers figure out how to drive in them, though? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. That's I mean, what, yeah. What are the problems? Should we go there? What are the problems with roundabouts? Well, one of the main problems I think is, like you said, it's a uh, there's a uh, education problem, right? Mm-hmm. The it can be or just a fear problem, I guess. But yeah, well, or or both. You know, it's like it's very confusing, and that freaks you out. People make weird decisions. They go in, they're not sure how to get out. You know, I <laughs> try around in circles. <laughs> <laughs> I've never driven all the way around a roundabout before, but I have definitely like panicked and gone off at the wrong street. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. You're not sure which one's which. Yeah. yeah, I drove all the way around one. I, I mentioned Jeff City. I drove all the way around one. You last came week. all the yeah. way because I well, there were, there's two of them <laughs> on this highway, which I think they're they're putting that in down near Ashland soon as well. But so I'll be driving through these a lot. But I got confused and I missed my turn on the first one, so I had to go through another one and go all the way around to get out to my turn. Like a complete moron. It was That's really way crazy. Best. I felt like everyone on the road knew what I did and was making fun of me. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. So there's that. They, you you freak out. The other problem is that it does actually take uh, a little bit more land. Um, it doesn't have to be very large, but it will take a little more land on the edges. So there's a uh, you know depending on what's already built around that area, it might not work. Works very well for totally new developments, obviously. But if there's already a lot of stuff around there, it might not fit. Um, Most probably. Yeah. Another problem we found was about the people who are blind. 
I need to use these because it's something that I already have a lot of challenges when you're trying to navigate roadways and then you've got this all of a sudden that's confusing you and everyone. Yeah, exactly. You know, if if people that are visually impaired are used to a regular intersection, they might have a lot of trouble figuring out one of these intersections. And then because it's partially intended to not have signage, um, to not have signals, uh, you know, you're going to have potentially constant traffic. So there are crosswalks usually built into these, but if you aren't able to locate them exactly, you're going to have trouble. Right. Although most of them that we have right now aren't in highly pedestrian areas in Colombia anyway. Yeah. Most of them are uh, if you, if the ones you've encountered probably are not necessarily areas where you see a lot of pedestrian traffic. There's another reason why it may not always be the best decision is that it's not very uh, good for a major arterial road something that has a lot of flow of traffic and is pretty fast, um, this might have a pretty negative effect on that. Right. and that's But that's actually something the city talks about on its website. There's a whole section on the city website about how to drive Columbia's roundabouts because I'm sure they know this is a problem. Uh, but there's all, And how to navigate them if you're a pedestrian and, a, and someone on a bike. I remember when I worked in a, at a television station, we had a reporter do an entire story on how to drive in roundabouts, really? and it drove me insane. And then I realized we're doing that now. Like I made, I we made fun of her forever. I'm like, can't believe you just did that story, and now we're doing that. But they, they like <laughs> like film her in the car while she's driving. Yes, it was real hokey. It was yeah. really bad. Um, and now we've done that, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's uh, it, again, it's just part of our reality now. Yeah, um, you I know. Guess, and the way I think about it is like. Think about how complicated a four-way intersection is to explain, especially if there's multiple lanes, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, so you're going to take a left turn here. You may or may not have a left turn priority. You might have a left turn yield. You may or may not turn from the same lane that everybody else is in, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, it's just so many different ways it can work out, And uh, but people are used to it somehow. It's not a – I don't think it's objectively simpler than a roundabout. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Maybe it's just the geometry of it all, right? That everything else is in a straight line and all of a sudden you're throwing a circle at me? Yeah. What no, is going on? It's unsettling to us. <laughs> this is not how things go in my world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about the mini roundabouts. No, Scott, we were talking we about the mini roundabout. It. Okay, the mini roundabout. That's the yeah, thing. So that's the new one that we mentioned at the top of the show that is going on at Fairview Road and Rollins Road. Yeah, we teased it, and now we made you stick around for this entire show to hear a few details about the mini <laughs> roundabout. Uh, the mini roundabout, so basically, uh, if you see some photos of it, there's a great photo of it on the Columbia Tribune website where there's a bus going through the mini roundabout. I don't know how long the guy had to wait to get that photo, but it's perfect. Um, but basically, it's a smaller roundabout, but it also has in the central area, which uh, usually would be kind of, I don't know what the word is, not a median. The island. The island, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the island is not very high. In fact, it's just raised enough that it is possible to drive over it. It's like a fake island. It's like a fake island, right? You think it's a barrier, but it's just a, just like a speed bump. Right. And you don't need it if you're a car. You're not supposed to use it if you're in a car because you can turn around a circle and it's going to be fine. It's the, the road isn't any narrower. It's just a little smaller of a turn than a huge traffic circle or something like that. Um, but – so if you are in a bus or if you are in a semi or something like that, then it's okay. And in fact, probably the only way these roundabouts are passable is for you to go ahead and drive over, at least with one of your wheels, uh, that island. Drive, it's usually just raised a few inches and it'll just kind of be a big clunk on your way in and out. So the advantage of this is you can fit a roundabout in a place you might not normally be able to fit a larger roundabout. Um, the downside, of course, is there's that extra layer of confusion. 
you know, do I go through? Do I not go through? Does everybody go through? Who is right away? Right, because it's very small. In fact, it's not like, it's like you're saying. It could just be in a regular. It might actually fit into that grid. We were talking about earlier how these don't fit into the grids that, that's already there. It might be, You might be able to squeeze it in there depending on how much room there is in this four-way intersection. Um, so watch out. They're coming to these areas. Yeah, that's the third one that we have in Columbia, and we'll probably have a few more in the future. That's becoming increasingly common. You know, this is the latest the latest thing in roundabout technology, Ryan. <laughs> this, we always have the latest on technology. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, here. this is really only about five years old, the mini roundabout. So if it's totally wacky to you, that's because it kind of is wacky. If you haven't seen it before, it's because it never existed until recently. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's going to be weird for a little while. All right. So uh, so that's roundabouts. <laughs> <laughs> you asked us the internet. And we gave it to you. We gave it to you. Um, I actually thought this was really interesting. No, I did too. I didn't know anything about the history. Now it makes a lot more sense why these things all of a sudden showed up out of nowhere when it really wasn't out of nowhere. It was just old technology that was great. And then, you know, that, that guy, Eno, knew what he was doing. You know, and the, the weird thing about it to me is that you'd think that the way traffic technology increases would be like around the signal or something. We get better signals that are smarter or something like that. But no, it's actually just circles, shapes. We're just <laughs> learning how to make our shapes better. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, this goes to show. Simple answers sometimes. That's right. Okay. All right, well, that's going to do it for Como Explained. Uh, I am Scott Pham. My co-host is Ryan Famuliner. Jack Howard assisted with production this week. Thanks, Many Jack. thanks, Jack. Yeah. Uh, Give us a listen each Wednesday. That's when the shows go up. Find us on KBIA.org or even better, the iTunes store. Just search for Como Explained in your iTunes application. Then hit the subscribe button and get a shiny new podcast automatically every Wednesday morning. If you've got a comment or a show idea, we love them both. Email us at news at KBIA.org or tweet us at KBIA. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.